Hello. All right. Well, good morning. Good news. My name is Jared Roche, and this is my lovely wife, Jackie. And uh, welcome. Thank you for coming today, whether you're visiting us here in person or online. Uh, we're happy to have you here and thankful for that. If you're new or just visiting, we'd love to know you're here, and we'd love to know how we could be helping you or if you're interested in knowing more about the church. Uh, we have a connecting cards in the back seats in front of you, or if you're online, there's a link to click that right there. And so we uh, would love to have you fill that out and hear from you, know what, how we can be praying for you and what we could be, uh, be doing here to get you some more information about the church. Uh, if you're a member, if there's anything you on your heart, serving or anything else, feel free to fill out the card as well. All right, we got an update here from VBS, so I'm going to let my lovely wife, Jackie, take over. Good morning, Good News. I'm Jackie Roche, and I'm the director of Vacation Bible School here at the Royal Golf Village campus. And I just want to give you an update on VBS this year. Go ahead and save the date for July 19th through the 23rd. We are doing a virtual VBS again this year. Um, we have to start planning VBS in January of each year. And so when we start planning, we want to plan for what we think is going to be the most successful and productive and safest way we can do VBS. So when we started planning this year, we decided that virtual VBS is going to be the best option for us for this year. And we're so excited about it because our purpose here is to make disciples together. And this press play VBS curriculum is about Jesus choosing and making his disciples. And so what better way for us to make disciples than in our own backyards, in our own neighborhoods, in our own homes, and this is giving us a great opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission, which is to go out and make disciples. So you're going to have the opportunity to disciple your own children, your neighbors, friends. And we're encouraging you to get together in community and do it this year. So maybe that means just some kids in the neighborhood who your, friends, who your kids are friends with. They can come together in your backyard and you can disciple to them. Or maybe that means in your small group. If you're not connected to a small group yet, now is a great time to get into small group because we're hoping to encourage all our small groups to get together and do VBS together. So this is going to be a really great opportunity for us to really get out and live our purpose and make disciples together in VBS this year. There's going to be more information coming on what that's going to look like. And speaking of small groups, we've got a uh a great, great uh, next Sunday, guys, we're going to have a breakfast for the whole church. Yay, free breakfast, donuts and coffee, right? So we'd love to have everyone come in person and get some donuts and coffee. And specifically, small group leaders, we're, we're going to be having a meeting during the 9 a.m. service in the lamp room uh, with our small group director, Rick. He is going to be sharing... Uh, some leadership training and further skills to better equip our small group leaders and help them to continue our mission here at Good News. And so please, if you can make it, mark it on your calendars. We'd love you to attend. And for everybody else, hey, donuts, let's do it. So uh, guys, there's a also coming up here, we've got a tech expo coming up on Sunday the 25th. So uh, it's going to be after the 1030 services. And so I don't know if you guys even really sometimes realize we got these great guys in the back here in the tech box. You come in, you walk by, sit down, and they're what makes all this happen. They got the slides running up here, the sound, the lights. Uh, for our uh, folks at home streaming, they're what keeps that streaming going and making sure there's no problems with it. And so 
church, we're really in need of some support for that team. Uh, we would love to get some more gospel partners to step up. And uh, if it's on your heart, you've been thinking about helping the church and just aren't really sure how you could step in to serving more, uh, maybe this is a route for you. And it's really not as complex as it sounds. I'm not a very tech-savvy guy, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to hear a little bit about it. There's a lot of people that uh, you know, I think would be good at, uh, at helping us out here. And so if you're interested at all, want to learn a little bit more, see if it's something you think you could, you could help out with. We'd love to have you stay after the 1030 service on the 25th and uh, learn a little bit more to see if, if this is a route you could pursue. And finally, back to Jackie. <laughs> I feel like we're reporting the news. Um, so I don't know if you saw out last week in the lawn, I guess we can call it, we had something amazing for our kids on the Easter Sunday service. And... We have Lisa Kent and Amanda Dykeman really did such an amazing job doing this. And the kids were able to go on a scavenger hunt to walk through the life of Jesus. And it was amazing. The kids loved it. It was so just incredible. I loved it. And so what the kids did was they got clues. And there were eight different stations. And each clue gave them a little hint about an event in Jesus's life. And so then they went to that station and we had a gospel partner there who would read scripture regarding that event in Jesus's life. And then all the kids got Easter eggs with candy, of course, and something to remind them of that event in Jesus's life. Maybe it was like a little cross or something to help remind them. And so then they got to take those eggs and their clues home and they could retell the entire story of Jesus's life to their family on Easter Sunday. And so it was a great way to share not just the risen savior, but the story of everything that he accomplished in his life and why that's so important to us. So this was an amazing experience for our kids, and um, I hope you got to see it, and I hope if your kids went through this last week that they got to come home and share it with you. And so this was a great event, and we're so grateful to our kids' ministry gospel partners, especially our youth leaders who helped to facilitate this. And thank you so much to Lisa and Amanda for pulling off just an incredible event for Easter Sunday. All right, y'all, well, thanks for being here. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave up to the stage now to share in the message. Oh, it's good to see everyone here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being with us online. Last Sunday was a great Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead, and he lives now to pray for us, his church. And you invited, and you brought, and you welcomed, and we had over 1,200 people on our two campuses last Sunday, and 21 people this week profess faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. It seems to me that Jesus should get thanked for that. So let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do give you thanks that you are at work in the world that you have chosen to work through your church. Weak and needy as we are, you choose to take the foolish things of this world and, and use them to help the message of the gospel go out. And Lord, when the gospel is shared, you are faithful to bring the dead to life, 
and to draw people to saving faith in your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you have begun a good work in us who gather here today. And you've begun a good work in these that we celebrate their new life with you. Lord, would you bring it to completion? Would you shepherd us all the way home? Would you lead us and help us? Lord, as we open your word this morning, help the one who teaches and help all who hear to see Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. So this morning, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 13. And we're continuing our study of the book of Exodus. And what I want us to learn this morning is that God's grace is enough. God's grace is sufficient for every need we face in this life. God's grace is enough to save us. God's grace is enough to get us safely home. God's grace is enough to transform us. Now we've been walking through the book of Exodus and we've seen again and again that Exodus is not a story about a group of people who were marginalized, disenfranchised, oppressed, and enslaved, but they tried really hard and they worked their way out of slavery. No, no. The book of Exodus is a story about a group of people who could do nothing to save themselves until their loving father, their king in heaven, stretched out his mighty arm and his strong hand and he reached in and he saved them out of bondage, out of slavery. He delivered them because they couldn't deliver themselves. The book of Exodus is the story of the gospel. It's a picture of what Jesus Christ has now accomplished for his church. That he has saved a people for himself and he's begun a good work in us. And he's going to make us more and more like himself. He's going to get us safely all the way home. So this morning, I want us to know that God's grace is enough. The same grace that saves us also transforms us. The same grace that helps us have eternal life also makes us a unique, a holy people. Now some of us, when we drift away from God's amazing grace, when we drift away from the gospel, we begin to find ourselves feeling as if we have no power over sin in our life. We begin to live as if there's no possibility for us to have victory over sin in our life. We begin to live as if we are completely powerless. And we're not powerless. And the other thing that we do when we drift away from grace, when we drift away from God's gospel, the other thing we do is we begin to think that, you know, I'm really not all that bad. I mean, compared to other people, I'm actually pretty good. But oh, when, when grace is enough, when grace is enough, we say, I'm the biggest sinner in the room. When grace is enough, we begin to see that, no, 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 I'm a huge sinner, but I have a great Savior. And he is at work in me, and he's given me what I need to pursue a new kind of life. He's given what I need to pursue holiness. I can have victory over sin in my life. Now, let's look at that from Exodus 13. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Sanctify to me 
every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both man and beast, it belongs to me. Now, we live in a culture that's incredibly individualistic. It's all about me and Jesus. But in this culture, this culture, the Bible was written to the Hebrews first, and it was written to a culture that was incredibly family-oriented. And so when God says, dedicate, sanctify, give, devote to me the firstborn, he's saying, give me everything. Give me your future. Give me your reputation. Give me your security. Give me all of your family. Give me all of your life. Give me all of your future. And I won't let you down. Sanctify to me. So Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery, for by a powerful hand the Lord... uh, For by a powerful hand, the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day, in the month of Abib, you are about to go forth. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this right in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leavened shall be seen among you, nor shall any leaven be among you in all your borders. Now many, many times in the Bible, leaven is a picture of sin. And so God says, listen, I've saved you by grace, and I've moved into your life. And now I want to begin a work of grace to transform you. And I want you to be a unique people. I want you to be a peculiar people. I want you to stand out amongst all the nations of the earth. And what God is doing in Israel is a picture of what he wants to do in us, his church. He wants us to be a unique, called out, saved people who show the glory of God and his character, his holiness, and the way that we live, and the way that we relate to one another. God says, I'm going to remind you again and again and again that my grace, when it moves in, makes you holy. Verse 8, you shall tell your son on that day, saying, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Now, don't miss this. Our holiness is not a demonstration of our moral ability, but a demonstration of God's grace. Our holiness, this transformed life, testifies again and again and again, not to what we can do, but to what God has done for us. It shall serve as a sign to you on your hand and on your and a reminder on your forehead that the Law of the Lord may be in your mouth, for with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall keep this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. Now, God's grace saves us in an instant. 
in a moment in time, you went from death to life. If you're a Christian, at one time you were lost, and then the grace of God moved into your life, showed you Jesus, and you were then, by faith, made right with God in a moment. But we're transformed over the course of our entire lives. We're conformed more and more to the image of Jesus. We're conformed more and more to his way of living. It's his life that shows us, and it's his power that enables us to live as his followers. Now, when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and to your fathers, and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord, that every uh, first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem it with a lamb. But if you don't redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? Then you shall say to him, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. It came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So shall be so it shall serve as a sign on your hand and as phylacteries on your forehead. For with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. This celebration, this annual celebration of what God had done to deliver Israel, it was to remind the people again and again and again that they belonged to God. That they belonged to him because he had saved them, delivered them, redeemed them, drove them from the land of Egypt, brought them from the land of Egypt into a new land. What got them out of Egypt? Grace. What got them through the wilderness? Grace. What got them into the promised land? Grace. And so it is for us. What saved us? That God moved in. What's transforming us? That God is at work in us. And what will get us safely home? Oh, God's grace. God's grace is enough. Verse 17. Now, when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence, God led the people around the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. God factors into our life, our unbelief, our weakness, our failures. God sees Israel, and he is wiser than they are, and he's wiser than we are. He knows just the way to lead us, to help us, to instruct us. He knows just the things to bring into our lives at the right time to keep us moving forward in the Christian life. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you will carry my bones from here with you. <laughs> now, we live in a time, we live in a day 
of what is happening now. What's the latest? What's the greatest? We live in a day of sound bites and tweets and short messages that change constantly. And the Bible was written over centuries. Over 430 years, Israel was living in the land of Egypt. And during that time, Joseph, one of their fathers, died. And he said, guys, when you leave this place, because God has promised that we will, take my bones with you when you go. How could a Bible written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years be relevant to our lives? It has to be. Because it's so reliable. The Bible wasn't made by man in 15-second sound bites. The Bible was written by God over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And if God fulfilled his promise to Joseph, then he'll fulfill his promise to you. Not one of the promises in God's word will fail. They will all be fulfilled. And so every day we go mining for promises. We go mining for truth to help sustain us through this life. And not one of God's good promises will fail. I promise. And even more than just my promise, God has promised. His word is sure and it is reliable. You can count on it. It's not going to change in a moment. No, it's going to change over time. He's going to transform us and he's going to bring about the fulfillment of every one of his promises. So they set out from Succoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to be present with you. And he pictures it in a cloud during the day to give shelter in the midst of a wilderness and a fire by night to protect, to heat, to warm, to comfort, and to help. Every step of the way, God says, I'm with you. Jesus, Jesus is the full fulfillment of that promise. Jesus said, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit who's now come to the church to give us a sense of, of God's presence, to give us a, an awareness of God's power at work in our lives to help us become what we were called to be as followers of Jesus. Now, God's grace is enough. It's enough to save you. It's enough to transform you. Now let's circle back, and, and I just want to give you three things to help lock this in from this chapter. When you put your trust in Jesus, when Jesus Christ moves into your life, three things happen, and if you'll take these, if you'll draw from these truths, it will enable you to gain rest in Jesus. It will enable you to gain victory over sin in your life, and it will enable you to get all the way through this life with God at work in you. So here's the first thing. You have now 
a new liberty. You have a new liberty. Verse 3 says that God has brought us, brought Israel out from Egypt from the house of slavery. In Jesus, you have a new liberty. You're free. Not to do what you want to do, but to do what you ought to do as a follower of Jesus. You have a new liberty. Two million people left the land of Egypt and they walked together to the promised land. They didn't go in two million directions. They weren't Americans. They followed the Lord. They went together in one direction, following the Lord, because they had a new liberty, not free to do what they wanted to do, but free to do what they ought to do. The story is told about a man who went to a slave auction during the horrible days when there were slaves bought and sold in this country. This man went to the slave auction and he purchased a slave with the intention of freeing the slave. So he bought the slave, he went to her and he said, I set you free. She said, what do you mean you set me free? What, what is freedom? He says, well, it means you can go where you want to go. She said, I can go where I want to go. Yes. He said, it means you can do what you want to do. She said, I can do what I want to do. Yes. She said, then I'll go with you. And that's the Christian life, that we have a new liberty. We've been set free from sin and death and hell. Now, not to do what we want to do, but to do what we ought to do because we're following our Savior Jesus. A new liberty and now a new loyalty. Sanctify to me the firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both man and beast, it belongs to me. There's a new loyalty in my life. The liberty that Jesus has purchased for me leads to a great loyalty to the person of Jesus. We see that in 1 Corinthians 6. You have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. We've been saved, we've been purchased, we've been redeemed, just as Israel was. Not by the blood of a lamb, but by the blood of Jesus. And if we've been purchased, if we've been bought, if we've been set free, now we have a new loyalty. Now we live for Jesus and not for ourselves. Now Elizabeth Elliot once told a story about Jesus, and this is a made-up story, but it's a helpful story. Elizabeth Elliot tells a story that one day Jesus was with his disciples, and he told the disciples, I want all of you to, to pick up a rock and follow me. So one of the disciples, he went and found the smallest pebble he could find, and he stuck it in his pocket, and off they went. And all morning, the disciples carrying their rocks followed Jesus. And when it was lunchtime, Jesus said, okay, gather round. And he turned all their rocks into bread. Some of them had a good amount of bread and some of them had next to nothing. Then he said, okay, lunch is over. Pick up another rock. 
well, these, these guys are slow, but not that slow. So one of them went, and he found the biggest boulder he could possibly carry, and he loaded it on his back, and off they went, following Jesus all afternoon. And then when it was time for dinner, Jesus said, okay, throw your rocks in the river. They threw their rocks in the river, and they waited. And Jesus said, what are you waiting for? He said, well, we're waiting for dinner. He said, oh, were you carrying your rock for you? I thought you were carrying your rock for me. You see, when Jesus moves in, we have a new loyalty, a new loyalty to the one who saved us, to the one who's at work in us to make us more like him. A new liberty, a new loyalty, and finally a new leader. Verse 18 Hence, God led the people around the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land. We have a new leader. God is guiding. God is leading. And God is wiser than we are. He knows just the path for us to take. And so if sickness has come into our life, it comes into our life through the wise hand of our loving Heavenly Father who promises, I may ask you to walk through this difficult circumstance. Look to me as your leader. And when times of plenty come into our life, they come into our life from the wise hand of our loving Heavenly Father who says, I'm wiser than you are. I will use prosperity. I'll use adversity. I'll use all of it to make you more like Jesus. Now, how does that get into our lives? How does that begin to become more real to us? Well, it becomes more real, real when we remember grace. Now, I have a, a terrible memory. Every morning I wake up and I have gospel amnesia. Every morning I wake up, I forget who I am. I forget who Jesus is. Every morning I wake up and I have gospel amnesia and I need to restart the gospel in my life. My heart, my heart is like a, a computer that boots up an alien operating system. It'd be like if I opened my Apple and it turned on DOS. That's what my heart is like. And so I go back to Jesus every morning and I say, Jesus, reload, reboot the gospel in my life. Help me to remember the gospel. Help me to remember God's grace today. Now, if you have never been brought into grace, if you've never put your trust in Christ, you need to understand that we are first and foremost delivered from our bondage to sin. And Jesus says that we're all in bondage to sin. In John chapter 8, Jesus says this. Everyone who commits a sin is the slave of sin. Which means that all of us, all of us have a 
bondage. All of us have an indebtedness. And the wages, the consequences of sin is separation from God, separation from one another, and slavery so that we, off, we don't do the things we want to do. We're in big trouble. But just before that, Jesus said this, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I can do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me, and He has not left me alone, for I always do the thing that are pleasing to Him. Jesus Christ came into the world and he lived in perfect obedience to his father. The life that you should have lived but could not, he lived for you. Then he was lifted up on a cross. And on the cross, he, play, he paid the full and awful penalty that our sins deserve. And he died in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. And he rose again on the third day. And he says, when you put your trust in me... You can be forgiven of all your sins, and I will credit to your account my righteousness. And he says, our part is to believe, to trust him. That we admit the bad news of the gospel is true of my heart, that I have a faulty operating system. I have rebelled against God. I've punched him in the face. I've resisted his will. I haven't followed him as I should have. I'm in big trouble. That I believed that Jesus, you did it all. You went to the cross for me. You rose again on the third day. You did it for me. And that I commit to going his way. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus wants to come into your life. He wants to have close, personal fellowship with you. He wants to be your Lord, your master. He wants to forgive all of your sins, and he wants to come in in such a way that he'll never, ever leave you. How's that sound? Won't you trust him if you never have? But listen, if you've trusted Jesus for deliverance from sin, you can also trust him to get you safely through this life, to live the life that he designed you to live. He wants to move in. He wants to give you a new way of living, a way of living tied to and drawing from the gospel. Now, in our last few minutes here, I just want us to think about two areas of our life where maybe you might struggle. I want to show you how this new liberty, this new loyalty, this new leader, if we'll take that into our life, if we'll take the message of the gospel into our life, how it can help us in two areas. We're going to look at two things. Number one, we're going to look at anger. Number two, we're going to look at anxiety. I don't maybe I'm the only one. But listen, if you struggle with anger, how can Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, move into your life? Well, it starts with a new liberty. Have any of your kids ever said this after a fight? You say, go apologize to your brother. So they go. And they say, I'm really sorry you made me mad. You ever heard that? You've said it. 
honey, I'm really sorry, but man, you just made me so mad. You see, when the gospel moves in, you have a new liberty. You have a new liberty to say, I'm the biggest sinner in the room. You have a new liberty to admit, I fouled this up because I'm a big sinner. I got angry because I have an angry heart. I have faulty wiring on the inside. The problem isn't outside of me. It's not your fault. It's my fault. I'm the biggest sinner. I have a new liberty to admit my need of grace. I have a new loyalty. And I can now ask myself the question, why am I angry? Is it because the thing that I'm actually loyal to is in danger? My reputation, my security, my future, my success is the reason I'm angry actually revealing the thing that I'm actually loyal to. And if it is something other than Jesus, what a gift to see that Jesus invites me to be loyal to him. Don't be angry. Trust me. Don't fight for control. Trust me. And he says, let me lead. You follow. The reason you're angry is because you're trying to be in control. Let me lead and you follow. You take your place. Let me take my place. You see how a, a new liberty, a new loyalty, a new leader can actually give us the power we need to be transformed in the area of anger? How about anxiety? Listen, if you're anxious all the time, Maybe the best path forward for you would be to go to Jesus with a new liberty to say, Jesus, my heart is filled with anxiety. You say I can have rest. I'm not going to try and make myself calm and peaceful in order to come into your presence. I'm going to come into your presence with my anxiety and ask you to calm me down. I'm going to ask you to give me peace and rest. I'm going to have a new loyalty. Is the reason I'm anxious because the things that I'm actually loyal to seem vulnerable, seem out of control, seem like they're about to fall over? Maybe it's my health. Maybe it's my future. Maybe it's my safety. And I feel anxious. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus says, the answer is a new loyalty to me. Let me lead. You follow me. Don't you see? It's not trying harder to be less angry. It's not trying harder to be less anxious. And it's true of every area that you struggle with in your life. Trying harder won't produce the kind of holiness that the, that the gospel demands. But the gospel can. Jesus Christ can. Through a new liberty. A new loyalty. And a new leader. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion 
Let's pray. Jesus, we look to you. Lost folks watching online, people here in this room, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ for salvation as he's offered in the gospel, won't you? He's the only one that can bring you freedom from sin and death and hell. Put your trust in him. Won't you simply say to him, Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, would you come in this room now and would you help us, each of us in this room and watching online, would you speak Holy Spirit? Put your finger on those places in our life where we have no victory over sin. We're not aware that we're the biggest sinner in the room. Would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you help us see the greatness and glory of Jesus? Jesus, would you give us a new liberty to admit how much we need you? Would you give us grace to have a better loyalty to you and all that you've provided for us? Jesus, would you lead? We give you those areas of our life. We ask you to help us. We pray in your name. Amen.